0: Disclaimer: all opinions expressed by the speakers in the podcast are their personal opinions and do not reflect on the companies they represent. People who Matter: A podcast by Blogs Well, all of us in life would love to do that one big thing that keeps us awake at night. It could be a dream job, it could be a great startup- idea. It could be anything and everything that truly fuels our passion. Well, but as they say, passion alone is not enough to, one, fulfill dreams. Secondly, fulfill your plates. Uh, With passion should be backed proper research, proper data, proper understanding of what you're getting into, how long is the runway, and when will you actually reach and target your goals and achieve them as well. One such super achiever and a great planner is here with us today to share his secrets and yes, spill some coffee beans too. He's a serial entrepreneur, and he's also the founder and the CEO of a huge rage in India, Rage Coffee. He speaks to us about his own journey, his learnings, his lessons that he's picked up along the way, and some great secret sauce ingredients to help you make your FMCG or D2C brand really start and then tick. So to go no further, let's invite the man himself
1: thank you so much bhagy for having me i'm doing fantastic and uh, i think a great day to speak to you
0: absolutely i think you've had a busy few months if not the whole year and congratulations on all the accolades that have come your way the company's way Kudos.
1: yes thanks it's been a it's been a, a you know i would say busy and also very challenging last couple of months because we were just kind of putting end to a lot of the, um, you know, you know, projects that we'd taken in the beginning of the year. Yeah. So we were just kind of commissioning a new factory that took us, you know, took way more than we expected. Uh, we were launching a new jars. Uh, we were coming up with a new branding campaign and just, you know, too much stuff going on, but, uh, but exciting times
0: no absolutely and uh, thank you for mentioning all those points because i'm definitely going to pick your brains about that a bit later okay. but uh, let me start with you know uh, the exciting times that all of us as entrepreneurs and more so as indians find ourselves right now uh, I, I think in every conference every meeting that you're meeting with entrepreneurs and with investors in india and abroad there's this echo that this this decade is India's, and this couldn't be a better time to start up. And starting up in India is probably a great asset to that as well. So let me start with that, you know, which is a very trending topic and question right now that everybody's talking about. What do you think? You think that's true, or you think uh, people are just realizing it? It happened ten years ago.
1: No, so it definitely hasn't happened yet. That uh, inflection point where uh, you know we become. Uh, you know an entre- entrepreneurial country a very enterprising country i think i think we've always been uh as as individuals as you know um indians and even if you look at the history we've always been um you know working very hard we're hard workers we we really kind of you know uh are very high on ethics and very high on you know dedication very high on uh you know our our, our loyalty towards our kin and our vendors, yes. our family. True. You know, so so all of those macros are have always been there. And I'm going back a couple of hundred years and yes. not just you know a couple yes. of decades. Yes. A couple of centuries also. So there is a lot of history that we have here. I think in the last 60, 70 odd years, you know, since the independence, and I am a you know, uh I learn a lot from history because I think. I think history teaches all of us but we don't kind of pay attention you know, uh, pay attention to it yes. enough and, and and history repeats itself always yes. in yes. different formats in different forms yes. so I feel I, I feel like we one thing that has changed in the last decade which wasn't happening in the last couple of uh, you know decades um, you know in, in the last 50 60 years is definitely the ability for us indians to dream bigger and to 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 believe that we can conquer not just our lands and, you know, our, uh, you know, uh, we cannot just conquer with products and services that fulfill the demands and needs of our consumers in India, uh, but also consumers globally. Correct. And, and, and that, and just the ability to think bigger, yes, you know, and have a, have a wider uh, canvas to play with. So I think that change has led to a lot of different changes. Also, the political environment is very stable, the macros are in our favor. Uh, and there is there, the, the basics of entrepreneurship are there, right? The drive is there, the the uh, ability or or the need for one to make money and make more money is there. So so money drives a lot of people in this country, you know, at all stages and all, all life cycles. So I feel there is not, there has hasn't been a better time to build. Uh, you know in India uh, and also today from India for the world.
0: That's a fantastic point and like you said I think Indians always or globally people who work hard put in their heart and their soul in what they do and truly passionate about what they build and I I see that as a common trend among all entrepreneurs that I've interviewed at least or I've met with and I've worked with so I, I see you as one such person as well you know kind of eat live breathe sometimes your idea your dream your baby and once it starts yeah. taking off starts walking that's when you take a step back saying ah okay i like what i made or i like what i did <laughs> are you someone like that are you very critical about the products that you make or are you a very proud papa
1: um i think i'm just very objective okay uh, i am i'm very you know i'm a very pragmatic logical rational unbiased uh, you know, approach towards life in general, and also, uh, you know, in business. I think if you're biased, or if you have, uh, you know, y- you have prejudices, which or influences, which make your decision making uh, irrational. I think that that leads to a lot of unholy outcomes in business. Uh, so the first thing is to detach yourself from from uh, your ideas and your biases. So, you know, because I've been doing it for so long, I'm now able to do it very, uh, you know, like the back of my hand. It, I will always look at data first. I will always, Understood. you know, when I, whenever I'm taking a decision, I need uh, 10 people to kind of, I'll do a run of hands. I'll do simple for even simple things. Yeah. And only with people who I trust. Okay. So definitely I'm not going out to everybody and asking them, you know, what do you feel? So who I take advice from, depending on the need, depending on the objective, depending on the project that I'm working on is very critical. So I I recommend this to everybody. So that's the first thing, Uh, definitely not biased. Uh, And when you're unbiased, you're able to achieve at outcomes from a very, uh, you know, very detached lens. And that lens and perspective helps you in building for, building for majority of the people and not just for yourself. Absolutely. Which, is, which is a trap, which is a trap. Absolutely. So I'm measuring every move I make with data.
0: Understood. That's a fantastic point, because today we're so lucky. We're in the age where data is really literally available at our fingertips. And uh, we do see this practice among a lot of entrepreneurs who've probably tried and failed. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs who've seen failure are the ones who depend a lot on data in their second, their third, their fourth, and their final attempt. And I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs who get into it for the first time. Yes, they research and they come into it, but a lot of them are not data driven. They in fact overlook it. And they just go with gut instinct and gumption. I get it. Gut instinct comes from experience, you know, and there's a lot of experiences that help your gut decide as well and tell you when this is right and that's wrong. But I I totally support this about data-driven, fact-driven decision-making for the small things as well, like you rightly pointed out, and not just the large things in life, right? so absolutely fantastic so Mm -hmm. let me let me now talk to you about the market you come from you know the fmcg space it's creative it's exciting and it's definitely i think consumer favorite among all the all the products that we purchase literally because it's the fastest moving consumer good available so you're in this space and you have this very exciting product which is all about coffee who doesn't love coffee Uh, i'm south indian (laughs) so i love coffee like to the, to the degree and more. And, and I, I always wondered when Rage Coffee first came out. So it's as a consumer. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you my feedback. So as a consumer, yeah. when I first had uh, a can of Rage Coffee, this was a few years back, maybe four years back, three years back. Yeah. And it was a colleague yeah. of mine who had recommended it. And uh, these are youngsters. Okay. I consider myself very yeah. young, but not compared to them. They are the ones who are like, haven't you tried this? Are you living under the rock? And I'm like, Okay this is this is insulting to a different level so I did try rage coffee and I was pleasantly surprised I love the taste yeah. I love the the creaminess the smoothness it was it was really nice and it truly yeah, became nice. a rage uh, for sure yeah. so um yeah. You've entered the T2C space, you're in the FMCG market, you've got a good market share of and you kind of have now figured out, yeah. I think the, the secret sauce or the market mix, as they say, uh, to do this right. Yeah. And today, you know, we yeah. live, like I said, in a land where people have big entrepreneurial dreams, thanks to so many shows, yeah. so many life stories that they mm-hmm. see on WhatsApp, on LinkedIn, otherwise. So when yeah. when they're dreaming so big, sitting in their kitchens... I'm specifically talking about food, the food and beverages industry, right? A lot of them are yeah. coming up with products yeah. right from their kitchens. So when yeah. they when they are starting out like this, what would be your advice for such people who are dreaming big, who have probably very small capital, you know, very, very small yeah. savings or dispensable income that they can yeah. use. So what is yeah. it that your advice would be for such people from your own lessons?
1: It's, it's hard to condense, um, you know, it's it, everything into like, one or two or three different pointers, but um, I can like, I can be specific about the food industry since you you know mentioned that point. but but I think I think uh, if you are trying to enter into a food business, the first thing that you really need to crack, and you really need to you know ask 100 people and ask your um, uh, well-wishers and people who you can trust, that is there a need for this product? And is there a need for this product at that price point? Because in India, um, you, we cannot ignore the the market shares that a True. mass product, a mass premium product, and then a premium product, and then a luxury product can, you know, there are markets at all of Correct. these Correct. price points. Correct. Now, where do you play? And have you spoken enough to this consumer who's willing to pay or not pay this, X price that you're going to charge. I think majority of the problems that happen in our businesses um, is that you create a re- Rolls Royce and you you know and you you uh, want to uh, sell it to a consumer who's buying uh, you know an entry level car, maybe a Honda City, uh, for that matter, maybe even 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 lower than that, maybe maybe who's looking to buy a car worth five six lakh rupees, right? Mm-hmm. Now a great product fantastic. Are people willing to pay the price for it? And if not, then how do you ensure a balance of uh, the price that you're going to charge the distribution that you're going to, you know, make it available in um, and the quality of the product. Now all of this has to be packed with distinctiveness um, differentiation Yes. because without, without differentiation, um, although it might just be 2 to 3% in the long run, a great product is just a starting point, you know, in FMCG. But it is the most important point because it's the only reason why you will survive and succeed and thrive in years to come. Mm. So give enough importance to the balance because a great product, but if you want to sell it to only 100 customers or 1,000 or 10,000 customers, you need to know what you're playing in. Most people fail is that they create great products, but then they don't know how to preserve the shelf life. They don't know how to, you know, get their costs down. Correct. Uh, they don't know how to distribute it Correct. at the price points. A lot of people feel that it's, uh, you know, my cost of goods is um, 30, 40 rupees, let's say, 35 rupees. Um, and I can sell it at a 100 rupees and make, make 65 rupees in, you know, profits. But it's absolutely not true because yeah. um, you, you, the cost of goods is, uh, is then just the starting point, as I mentioned, because you have to distribute the product and distribution and marketing um, takes up at least least 30 to 50%. So you're looking at 35 rupees and then an, an additional 40, 50 rupees. And then, you know, you're selling this product for 100 rupees and then you're making at best 25 rupees. Now, is this enough for you? And do you need... How many do you need to sell to make money that you're aiming to make in life? Um, you know, it. the answer would typically be a couple of million Correct. rupees or, a, you know, millions of rupees. Correct. Um, so, so that's the thing. So that's the thing. Where we're not able to get very large FMCG companies uh, as challenger brands come out is because they miss out on these basics.
0: Understood.
1: Um, great product, great packaging, fantastic, uh, you know, coverage, communications is great, you know but can you sell it to you know, a couple of million customers?
0: Yeah.
1: Because then you have to go back to the drawing board and figure out, okay, you know I will sell to only X, mm. Y, Z number of customers and I'm happy doing that and I'm happy making that kind of money uh, or running a business of this kind of scale.
0: Understood. No, I think that's a great point because a lot of people don't realize the other factors uh, that come in when you run a business. It's not just about the goods and maybe a great packaging, but what about distribution? What about the additional costs? And what about the the middle, you know, middle agents or agencies and people you work with, uh, who will get the messaging out there and marketing, of course. So what about all that? So I think these are great points. And for a lot of our small entrepreneurs listening in today, or people who are dreaming to become entrepreneurs, I think these are great points to remember uh, before you you spend your hard-earned savings uh, into a dream project and we only wish all of you the best and want you all to soar and so uh, for sure so that now brings me to the other hat the other role the other cap rather uh, that you wear and that is that of an investor so uh, Bharat I'm going to take you a few years years back and when you were this young boy and you were looking for funding for your first project yeah um, and uh, you were out there making the noise and you had all the guts and gumption and, you know, the, the rage literally that comes with age and youth. Uh, so yeah. how was your first entrepreneurial investor pitch that ever happened? Can you tell us about what went through before? During- <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a very, very interesting question because I remember that pitch so vividly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was, uh, this was 2011. Okay. And, and um I, so one of my friends was in Bispilani okay. and uh, he was, they, they had this competition, B plan competition called conquest
0: yes. conquest and
1: conquest. Conquest was very popular and I had no yes. idea. So, you know, because for me, the term startup was equal to running a business. You know, I had seen my family and so on and so forth. Um, I did not know what a venture capitalist means. I did not know what Understood. an angel investor means.
0: Understood.
1: In fact, so much so that um a business plan for me was a, a long document. I did not know that a business plan can be an Excel sheet or a yeah. financial model to start yeah. with. Or, yeah. So, so I was completely starting from scratch and I was a 21 year old with lots of dreams. Um, but, un, you know, kind of uh, not channeled, really, you know, channelized really well rather. And I remember this, pitch was so, so very fun funnily enough. Uh, I applied and because he was forcing me, um and I we were in the sixth, seventh month of our business and we started to do really well by the way. So right. I was making money and I was least bothered about you know telling it to people that, you know, I was running a successful business because we just started and you know yeah. um we we have our own guardrails at that time. Correct. Will it course. work or not. I had not to- I was I was actually Um, you know, I'd still not told a lot of people in my family that I was doing that. So I was working (laughs) in the night. So, you know, there were many things that I did not want to disclose because I was still making sure that I will be doing this or, you know, I can even do this. And then, you know, I applied and actually we got shortlisted. So I was very surprised. Okay. I said, you know, and it was on a Saturday morning and Friday, I had a get together at, at my friend's place. And that get together went on till four or five in the morning. Um, and it wow. and I had to be, <laughs> or right. I was like, and, and like always, I was like, Yeah, you know, we can manage it. And I, this is the first pitch of my life, okay. Thankfully enough, you know, I've had a lot of experience with speaking, uh, okay, public I, speaking, I, I, in general, public speaking. Also, okay. I was, you know, I'm like, uh, I would say one thing that I got to know really early on in my life that's that's. The stupid confidence that you have when you're young, I had like tons of it. Like I would do stupid things and I would not, you know, I would not even care about it. And because that really helped me because I would just do it. And then I would be like, okay, you know, uh, I did not think too much about it. Similarly with this thing, um, (laughs) I was, I was like, okay, I can go and do, do this pitch. And then I went to the stage. So I was late. Um, shamefully enough, I I I just arrived when my pitch was beginning. Did you have a walk of shame
0: to the stage? Did you have a walk of shame to the stage? Not not really, really.
1: not really, because I was I just went I went from the uh, this or this no this this auditorium because they were doing it in Delhi. Okay,
0: okay.
1: it was a big event. They had like the top venture capitalists, the top VCs at that time. Um, you know, in that in that auditorium. Got it. Um, and then, and then I went to the stage, I had the deck ready, where I was talking about my, at that time I was talking about my, uh, direct to consumer, uh, expeditions and CAC and, you know, LTV and all these terms, which are very fancy now.
0: Yeah. I was yeah. talking
1: about those terms and to my surprise, we got like two or three term sheets after that one pitch. Wow. And I was like, is this real? Because, you know, my friend told me later on that, um, I have not prepared anything. And that was my big moat because everybody was talking the jargonish stuff there. Whereas I went up there and talk, just spoke about my business, just spoke about the reality of my business in terms of numbers and who's my customer. Like, you know, how danda is run, how business is really run. You have, your, you have your sales engine, you have your revenue engine and you have your costs. Correct. It's as simple as that. And you're doing something which has not been done before. Um, so it has a different kind of a business model. You have to explain that business model. And we, we, we came third runners up there and we got two, three term sheets and, and I was, that was a turning point in my life actually, because it's only after that moment I decided that, you know, um, this is something that I can do for the rest of my life.
0: Wonderful. That's such a story. I mean, that's amazing. Like just the, you know, the the naivety of youth sometimes is a bliss, like ignorance is bliss. bliss. It's a good thing you didn't know what others were doing and how prepared they were. Exactly. Yeah. I did not have a,
1: I had one document, which I put up there, which had okay. all my numbers and that's okay. all. Oh,
0: that's fab. That's. And I was just amazing. talking
1: and I got to know later on that that's the best pitch, pitch because you are, because it's, because you're talking with the audience and you're not showing them some slides, which correct. anyways, they can see otherwise.
0: Correct. And a lot of times, I think anyway, in these investor pitches and others, there's a lot of documentation that are literature that's sent out much before. So they yeah. already have some details in hand. So it's very sad when people get that opportunity of, you know, that five minutes, that yeah. 10 minutes with an investor and yeah. you're still going back and showing them, yeah. can you see that word on that slide? That's what I'm talking about. And you know, yeah. you've lost. No, it I got
1: there. to know, I, I got to know this uh, in that moment, but also it has been uh, proven not just in, for investments or for otherwise, and just generally in life. What matters is yeah. what's in here. What's the Absolutely. point? Absolutely, Nothing Absolutely. else matters. All the glorification that can be done that works somewhere else, not in this real world. Yeah. Uh, so for anything, you have to make sense, no matter what language you speak, no matter yes. how well you speak English, how will you speak Tamil or in- Hindi? or Filipino for that matter, or any yes. language, yes. you just have to communicate your point yeah. and the point should have enough weight.
0: Yeah,
1: A- And that's my outlook towards, you know, everybody in, in any business meeting, in any hiring, in any vendor meeting, in any investor meeting, I will speak not what you want to hear, but what I want to share with you. You okay. might like it, you might not like it. And that's perfectly fine. At least I'm being truthful and honest about my business and about my my needs and requirements from this transaction or this association
0: no, absolutely. So uh, my business guru is my dad and I run a family business as well. So when I joined him, I remember I, I used to tell him, Oh my God, I'm so naive. I have no clue. I, I mean, there's a very different approach in my head and I'm, I'm joining the business. How do I meet people? How do I talk to these senior clients or investors? And he would always tell me, take the conversation to your areas of strength. Don't fall into that trap of, you know, <laughs> let them, in, letting them lead the conversation, take yes. the conversation, yes. lead it to things that you know. And then, you know, if you see some synergy, it'll go forward. If not, then that's fine. So, I yeah. see a lot of resonance in what you said as well and I'm like ah oh, fabulous yeah. okay so a lot of people are saying the same thing so I'm sure that this should be one of the right <laughs> approaches to go forward as well for sure yeah, yeah. and yeah. with that we come to the end of segment 1 i did it my way all right so we are back here with bharat for segment 2 and this is called i did it my way Well, here, Bharat, you need to share something with us, an anecdote or a situation, you know, from your personal memories, your own experiences, where you did something when everybody else said it's going to fail. It's a bad idea, but you did it anyway, trusting your gut instincts. And like we know, research and facts.
1: I think rage is a great example because from the moment when I started thinking about the category the first instinct of anybody is it's so crowded. Yeah. Um, and 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 it is. You know, coffee is the second largest. Yes. Um, traded traded commodity or you know uh, as, a, as a beverage, I think it's the largest, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it's it's very crowded, right? So everybody's first reaction was, why do you want to burn your money? It's You know there are other ways to burn your money open a restaurant (laughs) that'll you know that's a safer bet uh do something in retail that you know it's a safer bet um so there are many there are many kinds of different even on the thought of doing something in coffee um that's the starting point then as i dig deeper i realized that hey i can see something which all of them can't and that could be i was i wasn't sure by then but that could be my right to win and my moat, or you know, our X factor, because we discovered a couple of things about coffee drinkers that uh, none of them, none of the competition, or none of the players that were looking at that market were catering to. Mm. And that gap was big enough; it wasn't a small, niche area. It was a huge gap, and it was a macro trend that we saw, which needed needed some kind of an overhaul. Got it. Um, but then there were also, you know. The, the the major rejections start when you think about FMCG are when you you realize you don't have you can't do everything you can't reinvent the wheel Very you can't go 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 out and put manufacturing plants you can't go out and start growing the crop you can't start doing a lot of these things which which you don't have control over yeah and hence you need partners who can believe in your vision initially and then you start talking to all of these uh people who control the trade yeah the distributors the 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 farmers, and then the traders, and then the manufacturers, the packaging guys, yeah, um, yeah, and and that's where the I think that's where anybody can lose heart. It's very easy to lose heart there because number one, they most of them have a very uh, you know traditional way of thinking about business. So true. Uh, you know, put money on the table, and then they will talk to you. That kind of thinking. Um, you can't do it is the first thing. You can't do it. That that's the first thing that you you will hear every traditional marketer traditional manufacturer, a uh, traditional guy in the industry or a girl in the industry tell you yeah that it can't be done if you're trying to innovate it can't be done and so every time i heard that it can't be done you can't get a new glass jar made you can't uh, get this product at that pricing you can't do arabica coffee in instant format mm. you can't do flavors you can't get um you know higher caffeine content than uh we were getting uh you know you can't sell it online that's the biggest thing that we heard you can't sell it online it doesn't sell online <laughs> online is one percent of the market um and that was true actually you really look at it you know there was there were lots of bets we placed but that's also yeah. because we we believed in certain we were aware of certain risks and yeah. we believed in taking those risks yeah um so i think th- there was so much no i heard in the first six months of trying to build rage because I was actually just trying to build rage coffee because we hadn't hit the right product for a, close to about a year. Um, so we we weren't sure we'll be able to do it. So, but every time somebody told me, no, I think some, some voice told me, no, let me just do it differently. Let me mm-hmm. just, if not this, let me just try something else. Um, so I think rage is a great example of, you know, how in my family itself, I know people who said, Hey, what is this name? What is this packaging? <laughs> what is this? Who's drinking coffee? We're all chai drinkers. Yeah. Uh, you know, and today almost everybody always sits around a cup of coffee and not tea. In really? four years.
0: Oh wow! So imagine <laughs> in four
1: years they will all crave for coffee and not tea in the evening when they wow. sit.
0: Right. No, I think you've got the proof of the pudding right at home. You don't. You don't need to hear the <laughs> market reaction.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it happened. You know, and 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 I think. The, the only truth there is, is the market. There is no other truth. You and me can have, you know, biases. And the only reality is that the market and the consumers accept it or yeah. they reject it.
0: Yeah, so true. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Fire away PWN style. All right, we're back at the final I'd say fun segment where we get to know the person behind the brand, the person behind the designation and the title. So in this case, Bharat, are you ready to fire away?
1: Well, I think so. <laughs> Let's
0: see. All right, Great, great. So it's just three simple statements and you just need to give your choice or an answer to the same. All right. Okay. So here's your statement number one. So if coffee was the only thing you were allowed to take with you in a post-apocalyptic scenario, what would you give up to only take coffee
1: with you what would I give up Um, I mean there's so many things I I can not give up because I don't know the option (laughs) that I have but I think it would fall definitely in the you know after survival everything you know I mean I can give up for coffee all
0: right basic
1: survival should be there
0: (laughs) Basic survival needs should exist. All yeah. right. Yeah. All right. That That's a good answer. It's a very uh, loyal answer to your, your uh, product for sure. <laughs> All right. Next one. So you come from a family, like you rightly claimed, of chai drinkers. So what made you fall in love with coffee?
1: I think it was, again, uh, it was at the right intersection of my passion, which was to, you know, I got involved with coffee but I was never complicating my coffee. I was, uh, you know, for me, a great cup of coffee meant the caffeine hit to be there. Uh, I was using it for a lot of functional purposes. For example, I was mixing it with a lot of, you know, adaptogens and uh, other products, herbal products and botanicals. So um, it had, you know, to it had to give me that caffeine hit and that kick, and it had to be delicious. Beyond that, Uh, anybody who was complicating coffee was somebody who I did not, I did not think of them as winners in this market. So, um, my interest in the market was because of passion and the market opportunity both. So it was good, good kind of a balance and a good, um, intersection of passion and a market opportunity
0: understood that's a good one too all right next one have you ever gone on a coffee date and got stood up and enjoyed your cup of coffee and come back home
1: Uh, not really i i can't do that i'm not that person
0: you know has it happened to you is what i'm asking (laughs) oh to me yeah no no (laughs) i'm also not
1: that person i'm also not that person who would allow that to happen (laughs) That's more like it. (laughs) Yeah, no. So, hasn't happened? Maybe uh, on beer, maybe sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Not coffee. (laughs) Not coffee.
0: No, nice. All right. And the final one. uh, If you had to pick your favorite product among the Rage Coffee line, what would it be? And why? Mm,
1: I think it's the original. Okay. Uh, the first product we launched, it's the base product for everything that we do, uh, even the bars and the cookies that we've launched, yes. the coffee bars, the caffeine bars, and we've launched liquid coffee. We've launched a lot of innovative products after that first base product. But there's some gold in that product, which is very uh, you know, addictive uh, Is in, in a good sense because it has six plant-based vitamins, which just work together very synergistically and give a very differentiated experience. I mean, the best part about that, that, that uh, skew is because you only had one skew for that first year, nothing else, just one, one product is that um, if you, if you put even like six, seven different kinds of cups of coffee in a blind tasting also, somebody who knows that taste will immediately be able to pick it out. And we've seen, because it has a very distinctive aftertaste and the body is has that uh, that complex flavor which is not replicable.
0: I've, I've, had that. I've had yeah. that coffee, so I know what you're talking about. And like I said, I'm a coffee connoisseur, so thank you so much yeah. for creating that. That definitely leaves that kind of aftertaste you can't forget. And you're right, yeah. like, even in a blind tasting, you can identify yeah. the specific Rage original coffee compared to the others. Yeah, arts.
1: yeah. So I, I, I feel that's a winner. And for me, uh, you know, on some days, like, you know, I think just this, this Sunday, um, we were traveling and we had that one session. and everybody, you know, we were on a family trip and everybody shared like just that one The cup one session.
0: <laughs> one sachet. <fraction.
1: laughs> it was a lot of fun, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: it's so sweet. I think that's amazing when you entire family also, you know, like rock solid supports you on the product that you've made. I know it must yeah. have taken a time and it's got its own... Yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're,
1: they're very, they, they, you know, they're not... Uh, they'll never be sweet because, uh, you know, I'm doing it and they're yeah, very yeah, objective yeah. again. They're very... Yeah. You know, they, they will be very objective about what they feel. And yeah. it's only over time that they Correct. have gotten used to the product also because Correct. they were coming from a lot of legacy of chai, right? So ah. them, for them also, uh, the craving hasn't been forced; It's come yeah. very naturally to them.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's amazing. And on that very sweet and coffee flavored note Uh, I want to thank you for being a part of this wonderful podcast episode that's you know been made even more fun thanks to you and all the anecdotes and the experiences you shared I hope you had a fun time too
1: no absolutely I loved it I couldn't even tell you know it's been it's been almost uh, 60 minutes we've been talking so I couldn't even tell it's it's fantastic I loved your energy and your vibe and you know it's just a very pleasant conversation to have
0: no thank you so much thank you so much for that I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to catch this one and all the others, all you need to do is find the People Who Matter podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also catch the video version on YouTube. Just type in People Who Matter podcast. You can follow me for other thoughts and other things that I do. On LinkedIn, I'm known as Bhargavi Swami, And on Instagram, I'm creator underscore B-E. See you again until then keep those headphones on people who matter podcast produced by blogs podcast concept and created by pargavi swami sound engineering and creatives aniket singh people who matter a podcast by blogs